0: all right good evening everybody it is now time for bible study here at endless love ministries with pastor david peoples and lady antigua peoples and we have young deacon Keyshawn peoples in class tonight as well amen amen Tonight's Bible study is The Puzzle of King Uzziah. Focus thoughts. God calls us to live a faithful life that ends as it began. Our focus verse will be 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 5. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Lesson text is coming from 2 Kings, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. In the twenty and seventh years of Jeroboam, king of Israel, began Azariah, son of Amaziah, king of Judah, to reign. Sixteen years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned two and fifty years, two and fifty years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done, save that the high places were not removed. The people sacrificed and burnt incense still on the high places. And the Lord smote the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death and dwelt in a self in a several house, and Jotham the king's son was over the house, judging the people of the land. And the rest of the acts of Azariah and all that he did are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Azariah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David, and Jotham his son reigned in his stead. The second scriptures that we have is 2 Chronicles 26, verses 3 through 5. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Jecoliah of Jerusalem, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Okay. Our cultural connection tonight is an interesting one. It says, the title of it is Refilled While in a Coma. Dr. Joey Payton received a call to visit an elderly couple in the hospital. According to the doctors, something rather strange was happening while the man lay in a coma. With his wife in visible distress, the hospital thought Dr. Peyton, being a Pentecostal chaplain, might be the best to handle the situation. Upon entering in the room, Dr. Peyton instantly realized the man, though in a coma, was speaking in tongues. He told the wife that her husband was fine; he was just praying. He doesn't pray. He hasn't attended church in 7 years, she responded. She became very angry and said she was no longer interested in any more discussion. The next day when Dr. Peyton arrived in the room, the man was sitting up in a chair. When asked if he remembered anything from the previous day, he talked about he talked of a dream he remembered having. In this dream, he was back in an old brush arbor with his parents. And had been refilled with the Holy Ghost. This man had left his Pentecostal faith when he and his wife decided to get married. He had been raised Pentecostal and she was Catholic. They both walked away from their faiths and decided to attend a different church. She was faithful with the kids, but he could not bring himself to attend. While on his deathbed and in a coma, he had returned to God and had had been refilled with the Holy Ghost. He spent the last days of his life testifying on what testifying what God had done and declaring that there was only one way to God. Now that right there lets you know that regardless of whatever paths you decide to take after you've actually come in contact, in true contact with God and with the Holy Ghost, it doesn't matter whether you decide to waver. Sooner or later, what's in you is going to come up out of you. His wife couldn't understand it. It's just the simple fact that he had the Holy Ghost deep down inside of him. It was rooted in him because he went to church as a child. Even though it tells you him and his wife decided to go different paths as far as church is concerned, he was Pentecostal and she was Catholic. But while he's laid up in the hospital bed in a coma, now, Sean, if you're in a coma, you can't do nothing. You can't talk, you can't move, you cannot do anything. So that right there shows you that it was nothing but God that was actually moving within this man. Because if you're in a coma, you cannot do anything. But he's laid up in the hospital, in a coma, speaking in tongues. And from that day on, he declared God. Ain't that something? All right, guys, we're going to keep on moving. Contemplating a topic. One sobering reality of our social media-saturated world is that the mo- is that one moment of weakness or one indiscretion can literally ruin a person's life forever. In its own brutal way, our society is learning that being a good person most of the time really does not count for all that much in the end. It is absolutely vital in this social era. We are where we are daily rocked by scandals from the most unimaginable places, that we as a people of God learn the importance of faithfulness. That is the real topic of today's lesson. How do we ensure that our lives are truly consistent and faithful to God? By looking at the telling and the retelling of the life of King Isaiah in the books of 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, we will explore the scriptural call to faithfulness and the path, and the path to developing it. All right. The first section: searching the scriptures, the rise and fall of Azariah. Now, early success. Just before the fall of the Northern Kingdom to Israel of Israel to Assyria, the divided nation enjoyed an extended period of surprising prosperity with Jeroboam. Jeroboam. I've practiced that word, I still can't get it right. The second, reigning in the north and Uzziah slash Azaria, reigning in the south. During this period, Assyria was occupied by, with internal issues. The more proximate Syrian power centered in Damascus had been broken to the point that it never fully recovered. This relative peace and quiet, it seems, rain, re- reignited both Judah's and Israel's expansionist tendencies, for example, of Jeroboam's second reign, Second Kings chapter fourteen, verse twenty-five declared he restored the coast of Israel from entering. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain. The chronicler, who presents an expanded account of Isaiah's reigns, points out that he largely followed Jeroboam's. <laughs> Second example, and God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal and the Mahinims and the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah and his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt. With these newly expanded borders, the divided kingdoms extent nearly matched the extent of the United Kingdom under Solomon. Which is acknowledged apex of biblical history, Israel's own golden age. The chronicler added another clue to the greatness of the era by noting that Isaiah's fame had spread southward to the border of Egypt. This is language similar to that used to describe King David's successes in first Chronicles chapter fourteen, verse sixteen through seven. For all intents and purposes. It appeared that the glory days had returned despite the division of the kingdom. The Chronicler's expanded recounting divides the description of Isaiah's successes into two sections, dealing with foreign and domestic affairs, respectively. Isaiah's foreign expansions expansions represented success in that they served to subjugate long-standing enemies of Judah, Uzziah's domestic successes include rebuilding and fortifying the city of Jerusalem, abundance of flocks, herds, and crops, and equipping a mighty standing army. The note in the text about the creation of engines that stood upon the towers has intrigued generations of scholars. Many have suggested these may have been a type of catapult. However, catapults appear to have have been a later invention, and furthermore, there is no known type of catapult designed for use with both stones and arrows. J. Barton Payne suggests suggests they are better understood as defensive mechanisms. a kind of shield used to cover defending troops as they repelled enemies seeking to scale the walls. These two sections are united by the use of the catchword strong in verses 8 and 15. Furthermore, the term appears in close proximity to the word help, referring explicitly here to divine aid and support. Thus, the story of Uzziah's stunning success, as told by the chronicler, is a story of divine blessing rather than simply personal achievement. The question here is, why is it important for us to recognize our blessings as being from God instead of the result of our intellect and ability alone? Anybody want to have a go at that? No? Good? Are you sure? (laughs) All right, going on to section B, the final demise. In the chronicler's record, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 16, essentially ver- reverses the entire story of Uzziah. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. This is the third appearance of the catchword, but this time Uzziah's strength is not the strength of divine favor and blessing, it is, it is the strength of human hubris and pride. Now, I took a moment to figure out what this word hubris means. And the meaning of that is ex- an, ex- an excess of confidence. That's what that word hubris means. So we had an excess of confidence and pride. Isaiah had perverted the very blessings of God. Instead of acknowledging God as his help, as the one who made Isaiah's success possible, he claimed these blessings as markers of his own personal prowess and ability. What makes Isaiah's assertion of divine blessing as personal accomplishment even more brazen is that the book of Psalms, with its undeniable linkage to the great King David, frequently uses help, as a divine title, similar to rock or shield or refuge. In fact, the celebratory psalm that inspired Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, is built around this metaphor of God as our help. Because because of Isaiah's pride, he assumed responsibilities forbidden to the king since the establishment of the Israelite monarchy and was struck down as a leper in the temple of God. Because of his leprosy, he was driven not only out of the temple precincts, but also out of Judean society altogether. He lived the rest of his days in an isolated house, which is a house, a separated house. Stephen McKenzie points out that this phrase literally translates house of separation. Has been found in Ugaritic, Texas, where it is used to describe where it's used as a description of the underworld, the abode of the dead. In other words, because of his pride, Uzziah became a walking dead man.
1: So in other words, once King Uzziah, in other words, he had won so many battles or he had gotten so many victories, Mm -hmm. till he then himself began to think it was him. It was
0: him by his own strengths. Exactly.
1: Because God allowed him exactly to do something. So this is why we must continue to always acknowledge God in all mm-hmm. our ways. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's, it, it is God whose, whose strength give us the strength right to do what we need to do. Exactly. you understand? So pride can tap a, can tap a situation, can tap a church, can tap a home. Because of your pride mm-hmm. You know or, or else because you all of a sudden you do become the macho man. You the winner exactly You know, but then you find out You know God Anointed to be on you and, 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 and anointed coming down the tree still shaking, but the bird do
0: exactly
1: you see mm-hmm. So pride once you get pride pride comes in before fall. See, once he got pride, his pride was built up. What what happens next? He, he lost.
0: He lost, right.
1: He lost the kingdom. In other words, he, he failed. So without God,
0: you are nothing.
1: Uh, and when I said that, my mind went back to a song of my mother used to sing all the time. I mean, every time she would come to church or you would be in her midst in testimony, she'd always sing, Without God, mm-hmm. I could do nothing. Exactly. That's Mother Bob. Mother Bob would always sing that song. And that's so true that we cannot forget that without God, mm-hmm. nothing is possible. With him, you can do all things.
0: Exactly. Okay. All right. Why do you think it is easy for people to abuse or misuse God's blessings? I think that's something that we pretty much just covered in what Pastor was saying.
1: You know, you, you can take God's blessings for granted mm-hmm. because you feel that because you you think He owed you something. Mm-hmm. Well, God don't owe you anything.
0: Nothing Many at all. you owe
1: Him. Yeah. You owe Him your very life. Yeah. What? I yeah. um.
0: How yeah, Who owes who? I mean God already owed us. How, did God, owe How us? did God owe
1: us? Paid, you mean God already paid us by giving us life?
0: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I
1: can agree with that.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I remember I was in the shower a couple of weeks ago and I was, you know, a song well some words come to my mind. But as I begin to think on uh, often here lately, every time I breathe, I can hear God calling my name. Mm. And the reason I say, and, and when I think on it, and I think about it, and I say it like that, because every time I breathe, it's God who's calling me, who's giving me the ability
0: to, to breathe. breathe. Right.
1: So that if he didn't call me, if he didn't call my name, I couldn't breathe. So every breath I take, every step I take, it, God gets the honor, he
0: gets the glory. Okay, okay moving on to the next section here. So, almost succeeding in the worst tragedy. Isaiah's auspicious beginnings only served to heighten the sense of tragedy at his dishonorable end. Isaiah had an opportunity to be the next David, to restore the former glory of the kingdom of Israel. He had everything he needed to be successful, an extended period of international peace, agricultural abundance, renewed access to international trade, and most important, the blessing and favor of God. Yet, the tagline of Isaiah's life would have to be he almost succeeded. Even with all those secular benefits and spiritual advantages, Uzziah's life ended in dramatic failure. Wow. Puzzling perspectives. The reign of Azariah Uzziah in 2nd Kings. We may tend to overlook the differences in how the story of King Uzziah's reign is related in the books of 2nd Kings and 2nd Chronicles. As can be seen from this lesson's scripture text, the king's account of Isaiah's life is only a brief outline following the familiar pattern of the so called regnal formula. The use of this formula has several important effects on the narrative of kings. First of all, the regnal formula is introduced after the kingdom is divided into northern and southern realms. By constantly synchronizing the royal history, of both kingdoms, the book was subtly emphasizing that. Even though Judah and Israel were divided politically, they were still considered together as God's one chosen people. This approach held out hope that one day the divided kingdom would be reunited. The most crucial element of the formula is the evaluation of king's reign, usually given in comparison to King David or in comparison to King Jeroboam, There is only one criteria for success, faithfulness to to God's covenant, covenant. Furthermore, there is only one test for such faithfulness, worship of God alone. The writer of Kings positively evaluated Uzziah, saying he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But he added a qualification. Save that the high places were not moved. The people sacrificed and burnt incense still on the high places. Therefore, the reader is led to understand that though Uzziah was a good king overall, he did not measure up to the faithfulness of the ideal king David. The only information provided about the reign of Uzziah is found in verse 5. And the Lord smote the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. Coming as it does on the heels of what appears to be a positive evaluation of Uzziah's reign, this statement has a shocking effect, especially since there is no explanation offered. Clearly, Uzziah did something that brought about divine displeasure and a judgment of leprosy, but the writer said nothing more. Why is it, such a tragic thing to see leaders make such dire mistakes. Yes, sir. Like drastic, or maybe for your terminology, crazy, it doesn't make sense, mistakes. So for me, I would say, why is it such a tragic thing to see leaders make such desire mistakes? Coming from a personal standpoint, too many of us have, too, too many of us get to a place with our leaders that we put them up on pedestals mm-hmm. where it seems as if they cannot sin at all. They do nothing wrong at all. Forgetting the fact that Your pastor, your first lady, the pope, the priest, the president, whoever it is that has a tendency to sit in a leadership spot, somewhere along our mindsets we just automatically put them up as the one who can do no wrong. We put too much faith inside of man instead of putting our faith and trust in God. And that is why I believe it becomes such a tragic to see leaders do drastic, make desire, mis- make dire mistakes. I am tongue-tied. But that's, that's why I would say so. It's like even when it comes down to your parents, it's like you put your parents in a certain plateau, and as soon as they do something wrong, it's like, oh, my God, how could you do such a thing? Forgetting that they are completely human. They are bound to make mistakes. Regardless of whatever it is that you're doing in life, you're bound to make mistakes. Mistakes have a tendency of teaching you how not to do things or teaching you which way not to go. Some say if you don't make a mistake, how would you know? If you don't, if you don't do something wrong, how would you learn? Mm-hmm. This is like raising a child. If you don't, don't reprimand them for doing something wrong, then they're going to continue to do the same thing over and over and over again until you do what? Reprimand them. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to say beat because everybody don't beat their children pop, spank, whatever. Some type of reprimand you give to your child for letting them know, listen, this is not the way we do things. This is not what you do.
1: Well, the Bible says spells. rod, spoil the child.
0: Well, I, yes, I, I then there's the that.
1: Rod need to go across the hind side. <laughs> That's the problem with some of us. Nah, well, I can say some of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Uh, because you can look at that two ways. Children. That you're personally raising are children within in, in the church. We all are children of God. Right. So therefore, when you when you're not recommended for your actions or you're not rebuked, we please God to chastise you. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you need to be chastised. But as a leader making such a dire mis- mistake is because you're before a people and a people is looking at your life. So, therefore, you become a great example. Mm -hmm. And some people don't leave room for
0: For you to make a mistake. Exactly.
1: You see what I'm saying? But then, I I feel that even though as a leader, if you fall, you should have enough sense. First of all, ask God to forgive you. Mm -hmm. And then ask the people to forgive you. But due to the side and time we live in now, People, people are not willing to forgive you so easy so cool. you, you, you got to kind of you kind of got to make sure you're walking right.
0: Well let me ask you this question if a leader and I'm not speaking just a, just in the church world, mm-hmm. I'm speaking in the, in the world as a whole Second wide world, world. Mm-hmm. right if a leader makes a mistake and none of his followers know it, should he tell said mistake? To ask for forgiveness or since don't nobody know he made a mistake keep it to herself and just ask God for forgiveness do you understand what I'm
1: saying well if you fall I mean you and God know right but what, but what if the mistake you made gonna cause some kind of repercussion
0: to the okay. people okay well then that's a different Say, situation
1: so even if you make a mistake mm-hmm. that mistake is gonna cause something right. to be affected. okay so when it when it hap- why wait till once it's revealed to, to let to, it be to, known. to say something?
0: Oh no, you know just now you
1: can get it corrected and before. then it, it 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 don't damage nothing. Mm-hmm. Then ain't no sense in addressing to me. Now I could be absolutely wrong. Ain't no sense in addressing it. if it's not gonna cause if it's damage. not gonna
0: ricochet. Okay,
1: but if it's causing damage mm-hmm. to especially to to your followers or your people mm-hmm. or, or the country per se. I mean, we, we could keep going on up and keep going. On. In the white eye, I'm just going on. I'm just going on. Going on, on, on
0: to section B, the reign of Azar, Azariah, Uzziah in Second Chronicles. Uzzi- hmm. Okay. okay. Uzziah. Uzziah. Listen, I told you these. Ooh. Uzziah. Uzziah and Azariah. Uzzi- Azariah. Somebody. The writer of Chronicles took a much greater interest in the reign of King Uzziah. Now that one I think I got pretty good. In fact, the chronicler added key pieces of inf- additional information. First, the chronicler included that the fact the fact that Uzziah recovered the port city of Eloth, which would have reopened Judah's access to international trade. According to Stephen McKenzie, this would have invited the readers to think of Uzziah as a new Solomon. Second, the chronicler acknowledged that Uzziah sought God, but then immediately qualified that statement to be a specific time period in the days of Zechariah. The statement concludes ominously, As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. That's key. This recalls the story of King Joash, who, like Uzziah, also followed God as long as the priest Jehoiada was present to guide him. However, as soon as Jehoiada died, Joash ceased to follow the Lord with all his heart. The final addition is this significant expansion that detailed the sin that caused King Uzziah's leprosy. In fact, the chronicler's preference for the name Uzziah probably arose from the inclusion of this story in order to avoid confusion of the king with the high priest who was also named Az- uh, <laughs> Azaria. Azar- Azari- uh, Azariah. That's what that is. Uzziah's specific infraction was his entering the sacred precincts of the temple intending to offer incense as a priest. First of all, the list of royal duties given to the Messiah covenant granted the king no such priestly right or privilege. Furthermore, Uzziah's actions here recall both the sins of Saul and Jeroboam, Jeroboam. However, Uzziah was not judged for offering incense. He was judged instead because of his prideful spirit. Section C, self-reflection is vitally important. What is, the most notable, what is most noticeable in the chronicler story of Uzziah are all the allusions and connections to the stories of other kings who began well but ended badly. Solomon, Saul, Jeroboam, Jeroboam, the first one, Joash, and Joash. In every case, the root problem was a false sense of accomplishment that gave birth to pride and arrogance. This is the reason scripture often calls us to seasons of remembrance and reflection. It is certainly, and it certainly is not to bolster our flagging sense of self-worth with a rehearsal of our greatest accomplishments. No, any honest review of our lives will reveal how much we have been undeservedly blessed. Our accomplishments are rarely our own. We have often had others help us in crucial ways at key moments and, most certainly, we have been strengthened by the hand of God. The real tragedy of Isaiah's life is that he simply became Another king who forgot where he came from, as the old saying has it. What do you personally what do you do personally to maintain a thankful heart? Keyshawn. So do you have to maintain the heart by doing the right things? By doing the right things? Okay. The right things in whose eyes? Pastor do you have anything to say to that one? <laughs> oh, goodness, no. Okay. All right. Third section. We're almost finished here, guys. Fallen Heroes, a call to reflection. Humans, not heroes. As this lesson draws to a close, we can draw some key truths. From the sobering example of King Uzziah. First, we can be thankful that the story of Uzziah is in the Bible. Perhaps one of the most wonderful things about scripture is, it, is its its real, realism about human nature. The king of Israel and Judah are no comic book superheroes or Hollywood movie stars. With near magical superpowers or unbelievable good looks and charms. No, the kings of Israel were real flesh and blood. There is no attempt in either kings or chronicles to cover for Isaiah's sin, but neither do the books ignore the good he accomplished. Both his successes and his failures are there for all to see. Such honesty lets this story serve as both encouragement and warning. Like Isaiah, if we are faithful to God, we know God will bless us and prosper us in our work for the kingdom of God. If, however, we let our hearts be lifted up with pride, if we confuse our blessings as our accomplishments, then we run the risk of ruinous fall. Section B, re history. The story of Isaiah also demonstrates the importance of revisiting our past over and over again. Though we cannot date the composition of the books with absolute precision, it is clear that, King, that Kings presents to us an ex- exilic perspective of Israel's monarchical history focused largely on explaining the national tragedy of the exile. Chronicles comes from a later generation and utilizes a post exilic perspective focused more on finding patterns of hope and warning in Israel's national story to inspire and exhort those who are trying to rebuild a fallen nation. Chronicles, however, is not revisionist. History, rather, it is re-envisioned history. As was noted above, the chronicler did not simplify, did not simply focus on Uzziah's successes. In fact, he offered a more detailed record of Uzziah's sin. Clearly, the chronicler wanted to emphasize the importance of treating the newly rebuilt temple with reverence. But it seems he wanted to do something greater. If Israel was to succeed in rebuilding herself as a nation, she must address this nationalized pattern of early success followed by pride and apostasy. What is one thing you wish you could tell your younger self about what it means to live for God successfully past the peoples? Wait on it. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Wait on God. The- mm-hmm listen to those who you who have placed in your life as leaders. Okay. You must be willing to be obedient. Stand focused on God. I tell my younger self to stay stay faithful, stay focused. And to, to live a life, try to live a life pleasing God's eyesight, not right. trying to please a man, right. you know, not, even not trying to make your spouse so much happy it, it and pleasing love. But if you please God, mm-hmm. I have now come to a place in life, if I please God, mm-hmm. and you say you serve in God, mm-hmm. then how is it that I can please God and don't please you? Mm-hmm. If if we're on the same road, we should be what both pleasing both. in the sight. Exactly. So if I'm to being obedient and pleasing God, and if you're the man of God or woman of God, then at some point, I should be pleasing to you, unless you totally outside the will of God yourself. Okay. Well. But anyway, it was something I wanted to address. Address earlier when you was reading. And, and it had something to do with uh, God called us to live a faithful life. Right. But I'll to the end. So we okay,
0: well, I'm almost through. Section C, we must begin well and end well. The lessons of faithfulness from the life of Isaiah still applies to us. First of all, the biblical metric for the good life is not success but faithfulness by most external measures that we utilize today Isaiah's reign was successful it was a period of peace and prosperity there was a strong military and international trade and commerce revived it is not enough to simply begin well we must also end well maintaining our faithfulness to God now this is the internalizing a message section barrel Markham the first person to fly the Atlantic solo from east to west said in her memoir west with the night if a man has any greatness in him stop if a man has any greatness in him it comes to light not in one flamboyant hour but in the ledger of his daily work if there is anything to be learned from the life of Isaiah it is that a lifetime of faithfulness to God always comes down to today's decisions. The question that faces us is not will you be faithful to God for the rest of your life, but will you be faithful to God today? That concludes the Bible study lesson for today. Again, that was the puzzle of King Isaiah. Focus thought, God calls us to live a faithful life that ends as it began. Lesson text, 2 Kings, chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, and 2 Chronicles, chapter 26, verses 3 through 5. With your focus verse being 2 Chronicles, chapter 26 and 5. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Amen. Okay. Go ahead and get offering going. It is seven forty six. Do anybody else have any questions or concerns? I know Pastor Peoples, you said it was something that you wanted to address. Did you remember exactly what it was? Yeah, you don't
1: come and answer it, There, It says God called us to live a faithful life that ends as it begins. Right. So well, you know, we don't we sometimes some of us don't come to God to the mid, midstream of life. So once you come to an not you, you can go ahead on and get it right and then from day to day. Mm-hmm. You know, like the scripture was saying, just the reading was saying just then. It's, 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 you, are you gonna obey God today? You can't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow ain't promised to us. You mm-hmm. he often hear those folks say that all the time. Right. But God wants to know what are you gonna do today. Because right. what you do today will count for tomorrow. You but you gotta always remain faithful. faithful. Yeah. And realize that it's God not you. It's God who has given you the ability mm-hmm. to do or accomplish whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and as as you as you accomplish those things that your heart or the vision that you had or, or or may come into your life, you realize that God has given you the strength and the power to do those it's things. So right. as, as long as you acknowledge Him in all your ways, then you know you have no other choice but to what? Finish strong. Because right. you constantly believe in God. You trust in Him. And you know it's God. God was giving you the ability, or the knowledge, or the wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so much is going on now in this time that we, as the saints of God, have no other choice but to run into the to run into Jesus.
0: Right, especially you know? the times we're living in now.
1: And not just because it's hard time, but truly He, he is the one who will provide for you. You know, you, you just can't worry. The scripture declares that he, he what? He take care of the birds, take care of the fowls and the owl. So how much more do you think he's going to do for you? If you remain faithful to him. Remain faithful to God at all times. Because if you come to a place where you learn to be faithful to him, then you will begin to live a faithful, faithful life. It him. become a way of life, like we always said. Holiness is not what you wear, how you look, but it's a way of life. Mm-hmm. It's what because your faith, you're believing God each and every day to pull you through. So, but these stories, I think, have in Scripture have get uh, there so that we can take a hold of how they was succeeding as long as they was what. obeying God but Mm -hmm. the sooner they got out the will of God or started thinking it was them God had to let them fall fall exactly to show them it was never you from the beginning it's always been me Right.
0: right Mr. Peoples do you have anything you would like to share Deacon Peoples okay our hearts and mind are satisfied. i just like to
1: say this one more thing right there. <laughs> Is in the year that King Uzziah died,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I saw the Lord. Mm-hmm. So sometimes some things have to get out your way.
0: In order for you to see.
1: In order for you to see. Or some, some, some uh, crutches mm-hmm. have to be pulled. So That's you true. yourself... Can see God That's and true. realize that it's God that is giving you the ability in the church. So, true. sometimes so many of us have so many other eyes in our lives that we can't see God. But when he comes and he he moved the crutches and he moved those things out of the way. It could be your job, it could be your husband, it could be your wife, or some Roshamahasaya. Yes, God. See, sometimes he gotta move you, move you somewhere else so that you what can can your faith can be built. Right. So you can become faithful to him and not by what another man is teaching or giving you, but that relationship with him. See. So so King I had to die. So so what he could see the Lord and build that relationship. Anyway, let me stop because I can probably go we thank God for Bible study
0: tonight. Amen.
1: And if you're watching by Facebook tonight, put something on there that uh, say hello to us. We appreciate the little audience that we're having. We praise God for everybody as we're moving forward. Amen.
0: Good evening. Bye.
1: Thank God for our teacher tonight. Our two students we got. Mm And my little
0: friend on
1: the side. Okay. Let's start.
0: Bring it here, Sean.